Fantastic. Have you been enjoying the Olympics? Yes. yes. I thought, I'm just going to stuff this preach with lots of stories about the Olympics. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how we get on. Um, I have just thought it was just, Anne and I have just been glued uh, as kind of well-known, sort of completely non-sporty people. Uh, we just really, really love watching other people um, doing it. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, it's a delight to have uh, Dan back. Um, so just echo that from Luke. Uh, just looking forward to having some good, we had a good time uh, this week together as elders, just kind of uh, walking in the botanics and chatting and hearing lots of stories, uh, lots of funny stories uh, about his uh, escapades away. So uh, no doubt you will hear too as in due course um, particularly when he comes to preach soon. So we are in uh, First Peter, as you know, we're working through this book into the fourth chapter here. Uh, and uh, without further ado, I'm just going to read the scripture and then uh, deal with it piece by piece. There's a lot stuffed in here uh, about uh, hope. Uh, the whole book's about hope. This is about hope in suffering. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the de degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God will entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Amen. Don't be surprised. Um, he starts off with, don't be surprised. I'll tell you, we were, Anne and I were round at Dan's, and right at the end, there was the final of the women's hockey. Now, strangely, I, I just really got into women's hockey this time. <laughs> and I, so I'd watched a, several of these, and I, I just thought, this is incredibly exciting. You know, it, it's fierce. Uh, it's uh, uh, just, I mean just gripping and in nice little bite-sized 15-minute chunks uh, so it doesn't, you don't lose distraction and it's just full of action. And so here we were, final thing, and as we, it was getting late, we kind of left the house and the final was sort of finishing and it just looked like, have we got any Dutch here today? <coughs> <coughs> yeah, okay, good. It just looked like you were so good. <coughs> I mean, that's what it did. I mean, I just thought, we, we left that, didn't we? We said... Oh, man, I mean, clearly the better team, 
uh, we, you know. And it, at that point, it was 3-2. He got home, uh, and the score was 3-3. Three, three. It, it was the end of that. And then it was going to be sort of playoffs, and it was like, just, you know, and it was like, we were just watching this thing. And I tell you, when they finally won this, when the Brits finally won this thing, it was just, I mean, you could just see they were so delighted. There was such a surprise on their faces. Um, a lot to do with an incredibly good goalie, I think. Uh, so it was, it was a gripping match. Do watch it again if you haven't watched it, because uh, it really is exciting. So here's Paulie saying, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Well, obviously, if you're saying don't be surprised, what does it mean? It means they clearly were surprised, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't mention it. <laughs> don't make a noise. Everybody's absolutely silent. I mean, it's not, not the kind of thing you say. So when you say, don't be surprised, you know, oh gosh, they obviously are really kind of going through it at this moment. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think, um, so remember the scene, uh, these are, a lot of these people have been uh, non-believers before and they've come to Christ. They are now, as we picked up in chapter one, believers in Northern Asia. Uh, we're told you know, that they're in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Um, so why were they surprised? Well, were they surprised at the fiery ordeal? Um, I don't think it means literal fire, okay? I don't think they're being burnt at the stake here. I think uh, it means a very, very fierce, a very demanding ordeal. Um, basically, they were having to deal with the reaction of uh, their faith of becoming Christians. That suddenly, they're surprised at what happens. That suddenly, they're expecting everyone to kind of, I guess, open arms and kind of go, wow, fantastic. You guys are now following Christ. Isn't that brilliant? Who's kind of faced that in their life, you know, where you've kind of made that step and then you're kind of expecting, well, your friends are going to be, well, that's good. I mean, it hasn't happened to me yet, but it sounds fantastic for you, Matthew. You know, I'm really pleased for you. Or is it kind of a different reaction? Is it kind of suddenly, these friends suddenly turn hostile on you? And that's kind of what's happening. I mean, this is a kind of, it's got some quite a personal thing. It's not, you know, it's not like, you know, they're kind of shaving off their heads and, and kind of demonstrating in shopping malls and, and graffitiing, you know, come to Christ or face eternal destruction or anything. You know, there's just a personal, they're coming to Christ. And what is it? Why is that? Um, that actually they get such a strong, strong reaction. There's a sudden force of the opposition. I know that, you know, I, uh, I thought I had quite a lot of friends until I became a Christian and realized, yeah, actually, no, you, you, it, it wasn't really that deep, was it? Um, and I, and I, think, I think certainly what happened for me is I suddenly realized that I was kind of crossing some unsaid social barrier that uh, actually was kind of hidden. There wasn't a sort of a marker that was kind of like, you know, just a big warning sign here. If you come to Christ, this is what's going to happen. You are going to be considered the biggest weirdo in town. You know, that didn't happen. Uh, and suddenly you get a reaction. Um, and this is what's happening for, for them here in these areas. And uh, I think, you know, we... So, has that happened for any of you? That actually, that's kind of like you've, you've crossed a line that you've suddenly seen 
you know, this reaction that you're getting from friends? Because there's, 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 there's a reaction here that he's picking up and he's saying, um, this is quite a big thing for you. Uh, I really learned some rules about men's cycling. Did you learn some rules about men's cycling? I tell you, the things I learned that I, I'd never realized before. And we were watching the, the Kieran, okay, and um, <coughs> we were just rooting for Jason Kenny there, who was just like, yeah, he's going to get this gold, he's going to get it. And then lo and behold, what happens? Uh, and we're watching, uh, we learned about the Derny, which is this little guy in the yellow shirt and this kind of motorized bike. And so they all set off, and they've all got to stay behind the Derny, okay? Made famous uh, last Olympics by Rowan Atkinson. Did you see the sketch on, you know, <coughs> that he did, that he, he was kind of on the Derny? Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, they're all got to be behind the Derny, and then the Derny comes off the lines, okay? And, and this is the key bit, and... They are not allowed, nobody's allowed to cross or kind of overtake the back wheel of the derny before the derny goes off the track. Uh, if you do, you get completely disqualified, okay? And guess what happens? Our hope <coughs> for GB uh, <laughs> in Jason Kenny, who is the one guy who overtakes the wheel of the derny? Jason Kenny. So there it is, and everything stops, and the whole thing's kind of suddenly cancelled. The race hasn't quite begun, really. I mean, there's all this kind of judging and sort of thing, and, and you, you re the, the tension that was there was just mounting to the ceiling. You could just feel it, uh, and everybody was kind of... In, <coughs> um, Chris Hoy had actually stopped talking. Uh, it was kind of... <laughs> and, and then suddenly you get this thing, and the judges just decide, okay... Let's just do it again. Maybe we just kind of, we're not quite clear. And, and finally, Chris Hoy's kind of saying, well, you know, normally the, the Derny's supposed to speed up, and maybe he didn't come off quick enough, and all these kind of things. And so they get another go at it. And, uh, uh, and lo and behold, the same thing happens all over again with somebody else. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, the good news for Kenny was that he won his gold. And the good news for us was that we learned something about the rules of Kieran. <laughs> so there can be this kind, of, this kind of strange lines that we cross uh, that as Christians, actually, we can suddenly re reap uh, this kind of backlash. Um, it's kind of, Jesus did tell us about this uh, in John 15, and he said, the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You were of the world, the world... Uh, would love its own, but because you were not of the world, because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. And you have this thing here where actually Jesus said, yeah, this is going to happen. So then we have the, well, okay, so there's this reaction, they're surprised. And what does it say that, what's God's part in this? Is there a, a purpose and a plan? What's the purpose of this? Is it completely pointless and is it just saying, actually, this is going to happen and it's just, you just got to put up with it? And well, no. Actually, Peter says very clearly here, and he says, well, it's for your testing. Okay? It's for your testing. So there's a quick, 
I want to just do a quick sovereignty point here, just so we're all clear. <laughs> okay. So, Satan is clearly the one who is behind persecution. Okay. It's not God who's behind that. Okay. Satan is the one who is actually deciding, actually, I am going to bring my... Uh, attack on this. I want to destroy Christ. I want to destroy all Christians. That's the issue. Um, And God's not caught in some kind of dualism. What that means is, if you think of Star Wars, that there's a kind of, there's a bad and there's an evil, there's an evil and there's a good, and that the two are sort of just mutually kind of working it out and fighting it out. Actually, that's not the case. God is clearly in charge. God is sovereign over everything. And the amazing thing about God is that he uses even the bad, even what Satan does, that he plans for bad, he turns it and he uses it for his purposes. Which is something that kind of meddles with our brain, but that's the case. Okay, So God turns it round. So we're not saying that God causes the suffering, but we're saying that he turns it to his advantage. Okay? He turns it around. And he's, so Paul, Peter is saying there's this ongoing, there's this testing of your faith. We've had this quite a lot before uh, in this whole book of Peter. So he's testing us. God's heart, God's plan is that he would help us to be more like God. That actually we've come to him and he now wants to basically work on us and help us to become more and more like God. Yeah? And the way that he does that is he tests us. Anne and I quite, uh, we we enjoyed last year doing Duolingo for Spanish uh, and we just now started on French, having gone to France for a week. Uh, so, and you get these tests that come up just to see how you're doing along and learning your language. Um, and in the same way, there's a, a sense that actually God tests us. He, and it's quite a, it's a, it's a really important thing as, for us as Christians, okay, that God is wanting to help us to have an unadulterated faith a gold standard quality in our faith that actually all the dross, all the rubbish, all the stuff that's not, that maybe looks holy and godly, actually God wants to kind of purify out of us so that we would shine with Christ. Yeah? And God's doing that work. He's doing that work on us. Okay. Um, and I think there's a an amazing there's a, there's a there's a quote from Samuel Rutherford, which says, "Who's a, a Scottish um, preacher in the 17th century?" Okay, and he says, "I accept being put in the cellar of suffering." Because the great king keeps his choicest wine there. Which is a lovely quote. 
Um, God uses difficulty. He uses challenge. And I think, you know, looking at uh, many of the, the commentators on this passage, the thing is that it's not just about being persecuted for your faith. It's also kind of any kind of any challenge that you have, any kind of difficulty that you're, uh, that you're facing along the way in your Christian walk, that actually uh, God is using it for his purposes because he's actually wanting us to, he's wanting to make, he's trying to work out how much of this is just you saying, oh yeah, yeah, I believe this and I would say that, and yeah, 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 and yeah, that's okay, that's, I, can, I, I hear that, that's good. But now I'm going to find out how much, how real that is. How much that is just head knowledge and how much that is really sunk right into your heart. And it's something that is demonstrated in your life. That actually this is what you really are, not just what you say you are. But actually is he, work, is he wants to work on us to actually make it deep and to really work on us uh, as his children. He's got a real heart to actually see us uh, brought to a place. God will bring us to that place where there is no spot or wrinkle that actually he's working on us so that we would, it's a bit like a kind of a a laundry. (laughs) He cleans us. He irons us out. He sorts out those things in our life that actually uh, are not um, in line with him and and a lot of it is actually he, he wants to align us with uh, not just that we would know what is true, but that actually we would believe it and that actually we would resonate that truth, that we would demonstrate that truth in our lives. And he's about that work. And he uses difficulty to accomplish that in our lives. And I think as you go on in your walk with God, you become more aware of that. You become more aware that, gosh, this is another difficulty that I'm facing. And actually we can say that's, yeah, well, this is, God's doing this because he's wanting to help me to shine bright for him and to really demonstrate who he is. And we need to submit to that. We need to say, God, help me in this. Help me not to get all screwed up and kind of chewed up and angry about it but actually help me to see that actually you're doing this verse 14 says if anyone suffers as a Christian he is not to be ashamed but is to glorify God in his name it's not that we're called to some kind of weird Christian masticism but we're also not to be unprepared we're we're called to actually know that when we face difficulty, we will have the grace to deal with it. And then Peter goes on, uh, verse 15, and he's talking about, yeah, but there's, there's also suffering that isn't particularly godly suffering. It's actually kind of made, self-made suffering. Okay, and he picks it up and says, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. Um, Well, two and three 
one, two, and three are fairly obvious. Murderer, thief, evildoer. And uh, then we have this word, meddler, okay, which um, is quite an unusual word to stick at the end. You know, you, you would sort of think, you know, rapist or, you know, so, something, you know, that would actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can meddler, you know, and it, kinda, and it, and it stops us a little bit. We, we, need, we need to be careful when we're reading scripture, that we don't just kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 and we often just kind of, no, no, meddler. Blah, blah. I think, no, hang on, what, why did he put meddler in there? Well, um, there's a real sense that actually he was dealing with something specific, that actually there was a bit of a problem uh, in the church in the first century with meddling. And you say, well, what is meddling? I mean, what's so wrong about meddling, for goodness sake? I mean, I was trying to look up, what does it mean? Well, it means to kind of um, to involve yourself in a matter without right or invitation, to kind of interfere. So what's so bad about that? Well, let's just look at what Proverbs says. <laughs> Proverbs says, whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. It was, a good, it was a good scripture until I realized that there was um, a number of people this week who died from passing dogs uh, and, you know, probably doing very much the same, that, exactly what that's saying. Uh, so, um, what, what, is it, what is Peter trying to say? He's saying that there is things that we can get involved in. And I, I just was thinking about this I think it's particularly a bit of a problem for us as we get older, and we're kind of particularly with our um, own grown-up children, maybe, um, that we can, there's a, there's a tendency, can, can be a tendency to meddle, can be a tendency to think, actually, uh, I want to I influence, I want to influence your family, I want to influence that parenting, I want to influence that, da, 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 and you can kind of get involved in that in a wrong way. But it's also true for us as when we're younger uh, that actually we're just, we, we sort of use our influence to kind of try and control and manipulate into a, a, a friend situation. And Peter's saying actually it's quite a serious thing because you're actually, you're meddling. You're, you know, if the word sort of, we sort of think, oh, it's not that bad. I mean, surely don't put it next to murderer for goodness sake but actually he's saying it's quite a serious thing because it really does can I guess uh, affect people's lives um, their Christian walk uh, you can actually bring on um, things that are, are bad on them and on yourself actually uh, and he's saying and these things actually you've brought it on yourself why am I in this situation because you meddled in something that actually you shouldn't be meddling in. That's quite a serious thing, isn't it? Um, anyway, let's, let's move on from that. Uh, and then uh, Peter's talking about judgment starts at the house of God. This is sobering, isn't it? Um, I think there's comfort in knowing that... Um, God is in charge and that actually there will be a day when he will judge all things. And no matter whether we're in a situation, remember some of these people are facing torture and death. So we're not just talking a light thing. We're talking about serious stuff that's happening to them. But actually it's good to know that actually God is in charge and 
maybe not in this life, but it, it, there, will be a, there will be a judgment day. And we trust him for that. So we don't take it on ourselves, but we trust him for that. Um, but also, it's saying something more than that. It's saying that actually um, God starts, there is an order of things, and God starts with us. I mean, in fact, he starts with Christ. And we, Christ died. He is the first amongst his brethren. He is the first, and he suffers uh, first of all. So he's showing a life that is saying, actually, I'm uh, going to live this way. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to be an example to the church. And we see Christ and how he lived his life. And he, he showed that obedience, okay? And, and secondly, there's the church. And the church then is a we are within our communities, within our society, within our cities, and we are demonstrating what it's like to actually saying, you know, it's not just that you're a Christian and that everything just goes swimmingly well with you. It's not just that actually somehow you've got a past that means you, get a, you kind of get away with anything. Actually, no, we face difficulty too. We undergo challenge too. And there's that sense of saying, actually, we, there's a judgment starts at the house of God. God is the one who's saying, I'm starting first with you. It's, this isn't a new thing. This is something that God was the case for uh, the Old Testament too. And he works with his people. And he's saying, I'm t- what I'm doing in the Old Testament is I'm just going to focus in on my people. And I'm going to basically help them. I'm going to work at them and help them, purify them. I'm going to work on them to be people who show what it's like, a testimony of a people that are given over to God. And for us too, as the church, he's saying, I'm taking you and actually I'm starting first with you and I'm working on your life and I'm helping you to be an example to your friends and your colleagues uh, and so on. Uh, And actually... If there are things, and we had it even in the worship, if there are things that actually you know that are not sorted out and are wrong, God's saying, I'm not just going to kind of overlook it. I'm not just going to sit back and kind of feel, well, I'm not going to deal with those things. God's saying, no, I care about you, and I care about my church, and I want to actually help you to be a good example and to reflect me. And so there is a soberness in this thing uh, that actually God's saying, I'm working on this. I want you. This is, if there's stuff in your life that you know is wrong, don't just think, oh yeah, I've got a good God who's just going to kind of forget about it and kind of give me space. There's a sense of saying, no, no, I... I have a fear of God and I need to get things sorted out in my life. I, I need to take this seriously because actually God cares. If he didn't care, if he, if he just let, let us all off, then he wouldn't care. Would he? he wouldn't be a very loving father. We wouldn't think that as a dad he would be a good dad if actually that's what he did. I think God's really about two things as I think about it he's really about 
calling his people and saying, come to me, come to Christ. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, that's his first call is to say to you, if you don't know him, that's okay. He loves you, but he wants you to come to him. He wants you to come out of the world that we heard about in John 15. He wants you to come and be part of who he is. And he's saying, come to me. And that's his first call, is come to me. And then there's really the second thing that he does. And that second thing is that he's refining his people. He's helping his people to be a fruitful people. We heard it um, again about the, uh, the vine. If the vine isn't fruitful, then uh, God cuts off the unfruitful branches in order that it might bear forth more fruit. God's heart for us as a loving, caring father is that we would bear forth more fruit. He wants us as a church, us here, kings, to be a fruitful church. And he wants us to bear a lot of fruit. That's his heart. And that's his uh, um, purpose for us. Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself for us to redeem us for every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So here we have these two things. God's first call is about calling us to come and know him, but then secondly, it is actually to uh, work on refining us. Then we have verse 19, right at the end. Um, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. He is encouraging us to entrust ourselves into his care. Can you entrust your soul to a faithful creator? And he's, he's really calling us to say, look, you've... You've entrusted us. Why is it creator? Interestingly, the word creator only appears once apart from this time in the New Testament. Why is Peter using the word creator? And there's a kind of that sense, I think, of um, you know, when, you, when you were created, when you were born, you didn't have any choice about it. Now, at this point in your life, he's saying, trust yourself. This is something you can actually do. You can Trust him with your soul. And if we remember at the beginning, it talks about imperishable inheritance. Um, there's God has reserved and he is looking after us. He is caring for us. And he has reserved in heaven an inheritance for us. And um, we, need, we can trust him with our lives. We might be going through a really hard time, but actually we can say, I can trust you, God, with my life. Yeah? And finally, we've got this wonderful bit, I'm going to flick back into verse 13, which is keep on rejoicing so that all the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. There's been this sudden surprise, but actually we need to keep on rejoicing. Can we just have the band back up? Yeah. Um, 
there's a, this wonderful part of actually, we saw it again. We saw um, the rejoicing that happens um, many times at the, at the medal ceremony. Uh, you see, I've already mentioned the women's um, hockey, uh, but it, at many other moments, you've got this celebration. Um, and Peter's saying, look forward to a time where you have got these eternal crowns, these uh, parts of you're looking forward to the thing. When you're suffering, you're looking forward to the point of actually there will be a day. There will be a day where we, this kind of hard graft, you know, we sort of, we see many of these athletes just, you know, six days a week, six hours a day, just working really hard for this one moment of glory. What we have is we have, we, we live this life, and at times, for some people, it's actually really tough. For some people, we look at them and say, actually, you have a really tough life, and you've got really tough things that you're facing. You're struggling a lot with a lot of difficulty. And the, what we have is this certain hope, and we have a guarantee of glory. It isn't just, well, I hope I get this gold medal. It's, I've got a guarantee of this glory, this eternal crown that actually will be with us. And so, so we face difficulties, but actually God's saying, I'm, I'm at work in you. I'm testing you. I'm helping you to be more like me. I want you to uh, demonstrate just a, a life that is yeah, no, I'm trusting God. I've got my trust fully in him. And I just know that actually I'm looking forward to that time where there will be a, a time of, of joy and celebration. 